On my first day of high school, I walked into Latin One first day of class, and I'd heard that there was a new girl in our school. I, had, I went to a high school of 400, so when there was a new girl, you knew, or a new boy. Uh, so I walked into class, and she happened to be in this class, and I'd heard that people were saying she was a little snobby, a little cold and distant. And I looked, and she was sitting, she was like a little island, and there was a circle of empty desks all around her. And I could see why people got that impression. She kind of carried herself very tall and, and, and seemed to be looking down and not catching anyone's eye. So I decided right then that she and I were going to be friends. And I walked up and sat down beside her. And I was right about some things and wrong about another. I was wrong. She was not snobby. She was very insecure. And that was just how she carried herself when she felt insecure, which I've, I've seen that more and more as an adult, that people can do that. But I was right about the fact that she and I were going to be friends. We became best friends. We were best friends all the way through high school. Every weekend, we are at, we're at somebody's house overnight. She came on vacation with my family several times. And the one thing I did notice is when we were at her house, at Lissa's house, on Saturday nights and spent the night, her mom would get up early in the morning and lay out breakfast for us and go to church. And my friend Lissa never went. And I thought that was a little odd, but growing up in New England, you really didn't talk about religion very much. And I was a teenager and awkward, so I really, really didn't talk about religion much. I just noted it in the back of my head. And we stayed friends through college. I was in college in Massachusetts, and she was in Colorado. And after we graduated, I, I got married two weeks later. She was in my wedding. And she didn't have plans of what to do next. So I said, why don't you come out and live with us and find your footing out there in California? So she spent the first two years of our marriage living with us. <laughs> um, and, and I noticed once again that on Sunday mornings, Jim and I would get up and get ready for church. And I would say, hey, you want to come? No, no, no. And I finally worked up the courage to say, hey, what is it with you in church? I don't think I said it that way. I was probably nicer. I hope I was. And she said, you know, when I was a child, I had a really traumatic experience at church, and I just don't feel comfortable going. And I never delved into what that was. But I said, well, what about God? Do you believe in God? And she said, yeah, I believe in God, but I have a lot of questions for God. And I said, well, what questions do you have? And she said, well... I want to ask God why there's still war. And I want to ask God why there's not a cancer cure yet. And I want to ask God, why do some children go to bed with full tummies every night while others go to bed with empty tummies? And these are really good and really hard questions for God. So I understood a little bit more about her reservations. When we moved to Texas, to Austin, in 2000, my friend Lissa had just found out she was pregnant. She was still living in California. And she was terrified that we were leaving. She knew I'd had two children, and I had some experience, but I was leaving. So she made me promise that I would come back and be there when her first child was born. And I think some of this was the experience she wanted. But I also think I was intended to be a little buffer between her and her mom, who was also going to be there. So I went back, and I was there that first week. It all worked. The timing worked well. And I, I like to do the night shifts so that the new mom can recover. 
And so I would stay up a lot or get up at night in the middle of the night with the baby. And my last night there, I heard a noise and jumped out of bed, not wanting the baby to wake my friend. And I saw this light coming from the bathroom. So I went down. And here was her mom, grandma, with the door open. So I just sort of stayed in the shadows watching. And she'd gotten out that little tub with the slanted back so the baby could sit in it. And she got out little baby soap and a new diaper, a little, little tiny cute diaper. And she had out one of those towels with the hoods. They're so cute. And she was holding this baby. And she was talking to him. And she was saying, you are so beautiful. And I love you so much. And she gently laid the baby down in that little tub. And she tested the water to make sure it was just perfect with her elbow. And she scooped the water over his head. And she said, God, make this one wise. She said, God, make this one healthy and strong. God, make this one love you. And she lifted him out of the water and placed him on the towel. And she held him, to, cradled him in her arms. And she said, I can't wait to see what you'll become. And she opened her eyes and was looking right at me in the mirror. <laughs> and she kind of got this panic look. She said, did I just baptize this baby? And I didn't know what to say. I had not gone to seminary. I, I just kind of did this, I, I don't know, answer. And it, it was just such a beautiful moment. I didn't really understand what apostolic succession was. But I know in that moment that the Holy Spirit was there in that bathroom with that grandmother, and she was smiling as this grandmother bathed this baby. My friend Lissa, she's not the only one who has questions for God. I have to think, reading through this passage today, that, that Paul had some hard questions for God. He was a, a bounty hunter, essentially, for the Roman Empire. He was out persecuting all the Jesus followers he could find. He had huge job security. And one day, it just changed. And he joined the other side. And he started spreading the gospel message himself. He was so convicted of it. And we know he was successful because the Romans didn't bother persecuting people who weren't successful. They didn't care about them. They put Paul in jail, they beat him, they threw him out of different cities. He was not welcome because he was good at saying what he had to say. So here Paul was, following God's call on his life and being persecuted for it. And I've got to think that every now and then when he was sitting in a jail cell, he had some pretty profound questions for God. Scholars disagree about whether Paul actually wrote this letter to the Ephesians. And I, I've witnessed some of their debates. I've even thrown my hat in the ring a couple of times with some comments on these debates. But really, for us here today, it doesn't matter if it was Paul. It doesn't matter if the words to the Ephesians was added later or not by a scribe. We know that the purpose of this letter, that it was written by an early Jesus follower who was close to Paul, if it wasn't Paul himself. And it was written to these early communities, these early gatherings that were beginning to crop up. It was written to the church at Ephesus, to the nearby church at Pergamum, to the church at Laodicea. 
copies got sent to Rome. They finally ended up in St. Peter's. They were sent to Notre Dame in France, to Westminster in London. They made it to New York and San Francisco and Miami. They made it to Texas. We have copies in Highland Park UMC in Dallas. We have copies in Foundry UMC in Houston. And there are copies in this church, and that's not an accident. Paul sent this letter to so many, many churches over geographical sp spans and times. And his point in this letter was to encourage and lift people up because he knew, persecuted Paul, knew firsthand how hard it was to be a follower of Christ. He knew about temptation. He knew about falling attendance. He knew about budgetary woes. He knew it was hard to write a mission statement that everybody can get along, behind. He knew how hard it was to develop healthy churches. And he knew that being the church would be hard through every time. He knew people would need his encouragement. So he wrote this letter calling the people to a different way, a better way of living. And notice in this passage, Paul doesn't say, come Holy Spirit and be with these communities. He assumes that the Holy Spirit's already there. He says, be filled to the people. He says, be filled with that Holy Spirit. He knew the Holy Spirit was already all throughout Asia Minor. He knew it was in Rome, Paris, London, Dallas, Houston, and here in Austin. He knows that the Holy Spirit is doing the work she needs to do. And all the people have to do is open up and allow themselves to be filled. So Paul said in his letter, you are so beautiful and I love you so much. And in this letter, he prayed for them. He said, God, make them wise. Make them healthy and strong. God, make them love you. And he said, I can't wait to see what you will become. My first week here at Westlake, some of you may have missed this back in July, but I wrote a note that went out in the weekly letter, and I offered to meet anyone and everyone who was interested for coffee or breakfast or lunch or a walk around Town Lake just to talk so I can get to know you better. To the people I already knew, I wanted to hear your stories, what's happened in the years I was away. And to the people I didn't know, I wanted to hear what brought you here. I wanted to hear everyone's hopes and dreams for this church. The offer still stands. I'm happy to meet with anyone who wants to. Just, just give me a ring and I'll set it up. Oh. After, after church. <laughs> I'm not like Lynn, I can't text and, <laughs> and talk at the same time. But I do want to hear how you came to Westlake, and I want to hear your stories. And from the conversations I've had, I've already got a sense that a lot of you, like my friend Lissa, like the Apostle Paul, you have a lot of questions about this church. You want to know what we can do about church attendance. You want to know what we can do about budget issues. You want to know why is our denomination talking about LGBTQ issues? And you want to know, is it going to split the denomination? Some of you ask me things like, 
what is this Healthy Church Initiative? Because like me, you weren't here for it. <laughs> Some of you want to know how the Healthy Church Initiative is going to impact your ministries that you value so highly. You all want to know what you can do. And let me tell you that these are the good and important questions to keep asking. Keep asking them, keep caring, keep digging. Because whatever your question is, whatever your concern is, ask about it and keep asking. The answers are not always going to be to your liking. I guarantee it. That's part of being church. We are all as individuals are not going to get our way. But that's also part of the, allowing the Holy Spirit to do her work in this community. Some answer will come up, some result. And the important thing is that whatever that is, is you've taken part. You've given your voice to what's out there. It means you care about this church and what it will become in the future. No matter what else happens, the fact that you care is automatically an important piece. And there are a bunch of us who will be standing beside you, caring and praying for the future of this church as well. In all of my meetings that I've had so far, whether they were over at La Madeleine or Kirby Lane, whether they were in the library here, in every gathering I've attended, they all share something really important. Like Paul, I've sensed the Holy Spirit being in all of these places. I know she's here. She's hanging out at the table next to us at Starbucks. She's peeking in the window of my office. She's here in the rafters of this building. She's watching and listening and standing over all of us. She's saying, you are so beautiful. And I love you so much. She's praying. She's saying, God, make this one wise. Make this one healthy and strong. She's saying, God, make this one love you. And she's looking at each one of you. And she's saying, I can't wait to see what you will become. And I'm standing here saying, I can't wait to see what we will become. Amen. Amen.